Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson, where I want you to be financially free, spiritually free, physically free, and mentally free. Thank you guys for joining me. I welcome all my new listeners. I appreciate everybody who's been uh, hanging in there with me. Hopefully you're gaining some good information. Last week, you got my first uh, foolishness episode. I don't know how foolish it was, but um, you know, we had a little bit of fun with my two friends were my guests. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. But I want to let you know that today we're back to serious business. All right. Um, I'm going to give a, a shout out on this one really quickly. So I have a faithful listener of mine, Mr. Andre Wilson. No, we are not related. He's, I guess he's my um brother across the pond, but Andre, this one is in response to your request. I did a Facebook post a while ago um, about these disaster loans, and I had been seeing a lot of posts about it and questions and confusion and rumors and just all kinds of stuff. So I asked, um, I asked on my page if you guys would be interested in seeing if we could get more information on this topic. And Andre, you were the first person to respond. Absolutely, yes, you'd like to hear more. And I am very grateful that I was able to get a, um, a guest today who is well-versed in this area. He knows a lot of information, way more than I know. So I am going to be taking my notes today as he speaks. And so let me introduce my guest I have today here. His name is Paul Njunko, did I say it right? Joku, Njoku. Njoku. Sorry, I messed it up, even after asking. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Sorry for chopping your name up there. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for joining me. I'll give you guys a little background on Paul, and then I'm going to let him introduce himself. But um, Paul is currently a um, managing member of PKN Accounting and Tax Services. Um, he has over eight years of experience in managing financial records of the public and private companies in the oil and gas industry. So you, you guys, he's worked with the big money folks. Yeah. We're going big money this time. So I know he knows a lot. Um, Chevron was one of his um, companies that he worked for, which you know is a Fortune 500 company. Um, he also, there was something else here. Oh. I'm skipping a big paragraph because you guys also know this is near and dear to my heart. He went to an HBCU. You guys know I push that all the time. Yeah. I attended Payne College. My sister attended Fisk University. My mm -hmm. other sister attended Shaw University. So, you know, we are HBCU family over here. So I'm very happy to hear that he also attended um, Texas Southern University. So Mr. Paul. Thank you for oh. coming. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yes, um, I started my own firm, PKN Accounting and Tax Services. It's all me. Uh, after working eight years for the man, I guess, I got tired of it. Um, I got my CPA license uh, issued to me in 2019 right on time for uh, all of these uh, COVID disaster issues. And so I actually took it upon myself to learn a little bit about what it's um, what the uh, SBA and Congress is uh, offering for small businesses and individuals. And since then I kind of blew up 
for the past couple of years, um, I've been helping small businesses here in Houston and various parts of the United States and uh, consulting for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan and the Paycheck Protection Program, as well as programs that the federal government and local governments are offering. So I am very excited to help uh, small businesses, especially African-Americans or the minority ones in particular with getting some of these uh, COVID disaster loans so that they can help elevate their businesses and their communities. So I am ready and willing to answer any questions that you guys have. Let's go. All right. Well, I'm going to let you start because um, we had a discussion and you shared a lot of excellent information in that discussion that we had offline. Right. So you went over a lot of the ins and outs and the fine print, the things that some people read and did not understand, mm -hmm. some things that people bothered not to read at all. Yeah. And some people, some people just didn't believe it's the truth. So yeah. you, we've got, you know, people are all over the place with these programs. Right. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of just start there with you sharing with us what you know, for sure. Um, and so you shared a lot of like little secrets and tips. Well, I don't even know if they're secrets, but you know, tips, easy things that people could do to stay out of trouble. Um, I also attended another meeting yesterday with an attorney. It was just as informational, same topic, how to stay out of jail if they come, <laughs> they knock on your door, what you should say and they shouldn't say. So, you know, I'm just trying to help people out here. You're, everyone's going to do what they want to do regardless. But here I'm about information and accurate right. information. And then, you know, this is not investment advice. We're just trying to get the knowledge out there and, you know, you guys are going to do what you do, but here it is. So Paul, which do you want to start on one particular program and just kind of do an overview? And then um, I guess maybe after you do the overdue overview, we can go into the follow. I don't know the follow through the follow-ups. I don't know how to, how to word that, how you were telling me what people needed to do after. Right. Yeah, we can do that. So um, what I'm going to do is basically uh, help explain or clear the clear uh, the confusion about PPP, EIDL, and who's responsible for what. So um, the Small Business Administration, though that uh, that organization is responsible for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan and the PPP. The SBA is sponsoring both, and as we all know, the SBA is sponsored by tax dollars. So uh, I'll start with the economic injury disaster loan first. So AKA EIDL, uh, that program was made available for small businesses that have at least had their business established before 2019. To qualify for the program, um, you basically need to have a credit score of about 575 or better. But if you have a credit score of 615 or better, your application will be streamlined through if you have 575, more, uh, more than likely, you will have to apply for reconsideration, which takes a little bit longer. But anyway, um, how the program works is, is you would go to the SBA's website. They have a streamlined application that you can fill out. It only takes about five to 10 minutes. Um, the program will award you um, up to about, well, it's the lesser of 50% of your gross income that you indicate on your application or they'll cap you off at now 500,000. But back in March of last year, when the program was introduced, the cap was at 150,000. The program also gives you about $1,000 for every employee that you indicate on your application. The definition of an employee for the EIDL 
is different from the PPP. The EIDL will allow you to include yourself, uh, 1099 contractors that you may have, and of course the W-2. So if you have up to 10, you'll get uh, the full $10,000 as a grant. That advance will come to your account without you having to sign anything. That money is technically free, free, free. Um, you are welcome to take the grant and not take the loan. It doesn't matter. You can be a sole proprietor. You can be an independent contractor. You can be a corporation. You can be a nonprofit. All you guys are uh, qualified for the program. And if you a, if you are a for-profit organization, your loan term your loan terms are going to be thirty years. You get two years that are going to be deferred. Now, your interest charge is going to be three point seven five, and um, yeah, that's going to be for you. And if you are a nonprofit, your interest is going to be two point seven five. You will you'll have the same thirty year uh, loan term, and your first two years are going to be deferred. Um, now, can I ask a quick question about yes. the grant? So the yes. grant was early on, correct? The grant was early on last year and then it either ended over the summer or they ran out of funds. I'm not really clear which one happened. That's true. So uh, when the program was first introduced, uh, I'll give you guys a rundown about that. So I guess there were not really any clear guidelines on how the money was supposed to be spent because at first they were awarding uh, $1,000 for all, all the employees that you in indicated on your grant. So if you're one of the lucky ones that applied like in between, I guess, February and late March, you probably could have received $1,000 for all of the employees that you got. So if you indicated like you had 25 or 50 or 30, you would have gotten a $50,000 grant. But uh, after some time, the SBA decided to make some changes and just capped everybody off at 10. And so around, um, I believe it was either early or late June, they ran out of funds. Okay. So um, when the new stimulus package was signed into law by Trump in December 2017, they went ahead and put and uh, infused some more money into the EIDL program to help sponsor grants. So if you were one of those folks that applied for the program and didn't get a grant, more than uh, you are going to be receiving an email, uh, basically, uh, it's going to be an email saying targeted uh, reconsideration. Go ahead and fill that out. That is actually the advance that they're going to try and issue you that you weren't, uh, that you didn't get or you didn't receive back then. Also too, if you did receive, I guess, partial of the grant or maybe two or $3,000, for example, and your business is located in an area that's considered below poverty, um, they will go ahead and give you the full $10,000 grant. So if you get that email, just go ahead and fill it out. Um, it should only take you about five to 10 minutes. Um, but as far as the timeline on when you're going to get that grant money, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, just go ahead and just do whatever they ask as far as filling that out. The grant money, again, is free. And when I mean free, it's literally tax-free. When the stimulus package was signed into law in December, 20, uh, yeah, December 27th, uh, the, the grant money that you received is not going to be counted as income. So, therefore, you won't get taxed on it. So, yeah, go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, but now for the loan, yeah, for the loan part now, um, there are some folks out there that received EIDL loans. Uh, just to know that this, anytime you receive anything from the federal government, this is basically going to be put on to your personal, uh, your personal, uh, I guess, credits for your personal everything. Usually, when you're filing, uh, you're filling out a, an SBA loan, they would ask you for your personal financial statement, which will basically disclose all of the assets that you have, so they can technically collateralize or basically attach 
an interest to uh, that particular asset in the event that you uh, default. But in this particular case, um, uh, because of the COVID disaster issue, they said, no, we just want to go ahead and help all the small businesses out there get their money. So they didn't do that. But however, that doesn't mean you're out of the water. So basically, for, whole, for 30 years, you, basically, you have a partner in the federal government. Um, they have the right to look at your books. They have to, the right to call on you and say, hey, we need to get some requests. Most people that got EIDL loan should have received an email saying, hey, I need to get a, a letter saying that an authorized individual of your company requested for this loan. You need to have hazard insurance. Um, and uh, I guess your, your business needs to be in good standing. Uh, or whatever the case is. So uh, those emails have come out. If you haven't responded to that, they'll put you in default. If you, if you don't file your taxes on time, if you default on your taxes, if you default on any federal government obligation, they'll consider you in default. Also, too, if your credit score drops from, for example, 700 to 650 or 700 or 600, something drastic, they'll consider you as a, uh, as a risk and put you in default, and they'll call for that loan back faster than you're probably ready to pay. Wow. Um, was this all in the paperwork or is this something you learned separate? In, this was all in the paperwork. Okay. This was all there. This was all there. <laughs> so I always try to counsel people and say, hey, look, if you're going to take on this loan, pay these individuals back as soon as possible. This is a great opportunity for you to actually grab a loan and use it to actually invest in something that can bring back a return higher than the interest rate. Because usually when you go into a loan chart, it's like 10 to 12% most of the time. But these guys, 3.75, it's, it's really, you can't, can't beat it. And um, that's that. What you can and can't spend the, the money on. So if you take out an EIDL loan, and you go about starting to buy uh, personal items that do not make sense for your business, that's a problem. Uh, the federal government is watching you very, very closely. They have access to your transactions now. And as, of course, because they are a uh, partner in your company, they will be asking for your books and receipts and everything else. So if you produce something that doesn't make sense, they'll call the loan back. And um, I know some people have taken the EIDL loan without any businesses. I mean, that was probably early on when there was no guidelines and they were just throwing money out, out there. Um, if I were you guys, I would go ahead and get that business established and get it going. Just get it going, do something. Because <laughs> these guys <laughs> come back and start asking questions. And, and usually what was supposed to have happened is uh, uh, if you had a business or, or you didn't have a business and you applied for the loan, the money was supposed to go into an account that was at least titled in your business name if you were if your business was incorporated. What I mean incorporated, LLC, corporation, S Corp, all that stuff. But if you're an independent contractor, so you could use your personal, um, you could use your personal account. So as an independent contractor, just make sure that you're still doing independent stuff. If it's Uber, do that. DoorDash, do that. Whatever. Landscape and um, business. Start something. Yeah, get it. Just, <laughs> Dog get it. walking service. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that way, I mean, hey, whatever you did makes sense. And uh, um, yeah, because now if you try to apply for an EIDL loan, they're asking for your tax transcripts. They're asking for your tax returns. They're looking, they're going a little bit more deeper and checking your credit score out and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's over there. And if you applied for an EIDL loan and you were denied because of credit or um, something 
of something that this didn't make any sense, you do have a chance to apply for reconsideration. Uh, if it's your credit score, the credit bureau that they're going to be paying attention to is just Experian. Experian has that free credit boost feature on there too. So if you're paying your uh, utility bills with your account, Experian has a feature where they'll grab uh, all those payment histories onto your score and give you a quick boost. And if that is, um, as soon as uh, you get above 615 or so, you can actually reapply again uh, for the program, it, it, it'll take a it'll take a while for you to get um, reconsidered. But however, you still you can still qualify to receive the money. It just takes a while. Uh, what they will require is the as a printout of the um, Experian report, your tax return again, your tax transcript, and an explanation as to why your credit score dropped. Just give an explanation saying something around COVID. Oh, COVID! Because of COVID, I wasn't able to pay my bills. Whatever, something like that, right? So. Um, yeah, that's all that in a bag of chips with the EIDL. Uh, I don't know if, I, if there's any more that I, yeah, I kind of talk a lot. So uh, that's all of the EIDL information. We can come back and revisit if there's anything specific that you have questions for. On no, that. I'm, um, no, that was a good start. I mean, you explained the program. You can explain, yeah. you know, explain the PPP. Yes. And then I want to go back and talk about some of these red flags and the yeah. things that I've seen happening. Right. So next is the PPP or Paycheck Protection Program. That program is also sponsored by the SBA. How you apply is you would go through some sort of financial institution, being your bank or one of the smaller uh, institutions like PayPal, Bluevine, Wompley, wow. uh, Square. I didn't I know they were all else. processing. Yeah, every all of those are processing. Um, so the um, yeah, but anyway, with the Paycheck Protection Program, what they basically are doing is giving you two and a half times your monthly average for your wages that you pay. Um, if you are a corporation or an LLC that actually has employees, their definition of employee is a lot different from the EIDL. They have to be W-2 wage earning employees. Okay, so uh, if you have uh, W-2 page earning employees and you pay them, I guess, $12,000 for the year, your monthly average is going to be $1,000. The program will give you two and a half times that. So two, you know, basically you're, you'll get $2,500 from the program if that's your, uh, that's your portion. And again, it is actually a 100% forgivable loan. It really is. If... Um, I'll go ahead and explain the forgiveness part in a second, but I guess let me define some of the uh, people that can participate. Uh, independent contractors, sole proprietors, LLCs, single LLCs, S-Corps, and uh, all the rest, and even non, um, nonprofit organizations, they all can participate in the program. Now, um, depending on how your organization is structured, you can only um, you you can basically get funded by a couple of ways. So, for example, if you're an independent contractor, also a proprietor, the rules kind of changed for you in your favor. Around March, Biden basically introduced the thing where your uh, monthly wages is going to be your gross profit. That's going to be the mark as your consideration. Last year, it used to be your net income. So, those individuals that had uh, negative or had losses or whatever that they claimed on their taxes they weren't able to participate in the program. Now, um, your gross income is considered uh, your monthly, uh, your annual wages, so to speak. So you would take that number divided by 12, multiply it by 2.5, and that's how much you get. And the wonderful thing about the PPP, it does not consider your credit at all. 
They don't mm -hmm. care about your credit. They just want you to go ahead and get your money and um, get it going. Um, so that's there. If you are a corporation or, uh, or a um, S Corp or a nonprofit, you have to have W2H employees in order to participate in the program. So that's there. And uh, in order for you to get your loan forgiven, um, if you received an amount under $150,000, you are automatically up for forgiveness. You, you're, the actual application that you'll be filling out is a 3508S. On that one, basically, you're just signing three particular lines. One line saying, yes, I used the money for business purposes. Yes, uh, I needed it because of an economic issue. And then you sign it. And that's it. They'll go ahead and forgive it. So they had to go online and find the form. Was it sent to them? How did they get the form? So you have to go through your financial institution in order to apply for that particular forgiveness. You can actually see the form online. If you go to the SBA website, you can Google it there. Okay. Um, I do not know if you could send that form to the SBA directly because uh, usually the financial institutions are supposed to get the application, receive it, screen the individuals and then send it to the SBA. If you're able to send it to the SBA straight, um, you know, that's awesome. They'll go ahead and probably forgive it. But however, uh, I know that they'll probably push it back and have you go through the same financial institution you did the PPP application with first in order to do that. Okay. Um, so at, that's for the application that received $150,000 or less. Anyone that received $150,000 or more, now those guys are going to have to show you know, uh, that they follow the conditions of the loan. And the condition of the loans is this, 60% has to be used towards payroll. 40% has to be used for non-payroll uh, non things like rent, utilities, uh, mortgage interest, uh, transportation for gas, stuff like that. And uh, after December 27th, that one was signed, you know, the floodgates kind of open on what you can spend the money on. You can now use it for inventory, software, paying an accountant, basically paying whatever it is that you need to pay in order to maintain your business. So if you are able to show all of those receipts, you can get it 100% forgiven. Um, there's two covered periods that you can choose, uh, or basically what I mean by covered periods, these are the periods that you have uh, to basically spend the money. There's an eight-week period, and then there's a 24-week period. If I were you, I'll just go ahead and pick the 24 week period because it's easier to just get everything forgiven that way. Uh, so within 24 weeks or six months, you're supposed to have used all this money on payroll and uh, uh, non-payroll non costs and everything. But what they won't tell you is that if you actually double the amount that you receive on payroll, then you're, you, you'll get all of it forgiven. But if you only use 60% and then use 40% on all this stuff, then you'll get part of the money forgiven. So mm. if you justify, so if, for example, if you receive $200,000 from the PPP program and you spent, or you're able to justify that you spent about $400,000 on payroll costs for that particular time, which is something that, you know, you should be able to do if you are in that space, because remember that 200,000 represents only two and a half uh, months of your pay. So you can easily bleed through that within six months. So after six months, if you can show that you spent that in a bag of chips on just payroll, they'll just forgive everything without even questioning nothing. And it's I've already done it for several uh, applicants from last year, and I've, I'm going to start doing that this year for some of them, and they all of it is forgiven. And again, it's all tax-free. It's not included in your taxes at all. 
So they went and got the form from their lender and brought it to you and you helped them fill it out. Well, no. So, or you're talking about the finance when they had to, because we're over 150,000. So you're talking about when they had to provide some type of documents. Yeah. So your, your uh, lender, if it's your bank, uh, for example, they usually have an online platform where you'll go and answer some particular questions where you have to provide evidence, evidence being 941 statements. Those are your, uh, your employee tax documents that you have to give. You have to show, um, the hours didn't reduce by 25%. So you'll have to show, uh, like, you have to show like a payroll report that shows, um, uh, how many, how much hours all of your employees worked. You're not allowed to fire more than 25% of your employees. So they'll want to see at least like your, the person's name, like some sort of identification for the person's name. Like for example, it's usually for the last four digits of your social security number. And, um, also they need to see your most recent tax return that you filed just to make sure that you're in good standing. Mm. And, uh, once you're able to show all that stuff, then they'll go ahead and then the financial institution will approve your application for forgiveness. And then they'll send it to the SBA for them to go ahead and forgive everything. And the reason why they have this process going through the bank, because again, the SBA does not have the expertise or the wherewithal to screen through all these people. So if an application goes straight to them, they'll just forgive it because they don't have the time or the expertise to do it, which is why they had everyone go uh, screen through their uh, banks. Now, uh, one, little, one little secret about uh, the PPP, depending on which financial institution you go, you go with, they usually require different documents as far as like uh, showing forgiveness. Like for example, if you go through an actual bank, they are a little bit more strict with uh, what type of documents you have to provide. Surprise, um, surprise. Yeah. So if you're going with like Chase or Wells Fargo or anything like that, um, they, for, they would require that you would show documents from a third party uh, provider or payroll provider, for example, like ADP, QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff. And if you choose that option, there the the third party provider uh, or payroll provider basically has to be listed on the document somewhere. Like it has to show that it came from them. But if you do it in-house, it's perfectly fine. Uh, just you would have to make sure to indicate that on your application that you're giving to Chase Fargo. And of course, the, uh, they would probably go back and forth with you to make sure that you're not fabricating your documents before it gets forgiven. Now, if you were to go with Bluevine, Wampley and all those other folks, they're not as strict as far as like what type of documents you're giving this, just as long as everything is not fabricated, they'll screen it and let it go. So, okay. Mm -hmm. First question, how long does the forgiveness process take? So you fill it out with your bank or whoever you're filling out with, you send mm -hmm. it in. How long is that wait before you find out if it's approved or not approved? approximately well um ideally it's supposed to take about two to three weeks two okay. to three weeks but they can take up to 90 days but um that's usually because some banks usually like to sit on your application because sometimes they don't they don't like to send it off right away because if they do then obviously uh they're they're screwed out of some funds but right. uh typically it's supposed to take about three weeks so if all of your documents are in order well if you are $150,000 or less, your application should take less than two weeks, honestly. Once you get it signed up and uh, signed in and back to the lender and you've met their particular requirements and they should send it off to the SBA and everything should come back um, uh, pretty quickly. But if you're one of those folks that require documentation, then of course, what usually takes long is the 
lender screening through your documents to make sure everything is good before they send it off. And so usually that should take about a, three weeks to about a month, if, if not longer. Okay. And another basic question, yeah. when should people have started applying for the forgiveness? It was, is there a window or once you run out of money or what, what, how does that work? What was the timeline? Uh, okay. Actually, I forgot to explain it to the PPP. The loan, so the PPP at the end of the day is a loan. So you'll see loan, you'll see like some loan terms with it. Naturally, it's a five-year loan, 1% interest, and you have a 10-month deferment. Okay. So with the, uh, when you apply, when you need to apply for forgiveness, again, you have two cover periods that you can choose: an eight-week cover period or twenty-four-week cover period. So, um, I'm I always suggest everyone uh, if you're getting one hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, use the twelve, use the twenty-four-week period. Okay, and so after six months, you should already be trying to uh, up, um, putting your documents together to apply for forgiveness, because. After six months, you'll have four. You'll have a four-month window before your first payment starts. Mm -hmm. If you're not trying to pay anything like me, after six months, get your application in so that you can fit yourself within that 90-day window and get it forgiven. And you're not you haven't you didn't no have to payments. pay Yeah. No payments. Great. Smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So is that all the basics? Have we covered the basics? Yeah, I've covered all the basics. So now I'm ready for all the all the red flags and all, oh, all boy. the I mean, no. I, I, I sent you some of them in advance so you would know what I was seeing. I guess I can start looking at it. Like I said, one of the very first calls I took was, um, I, I was unaware that this was happening, but the teenagers that somehow found out about this and were applying online and there were teenagers being approved for the, <laughs> for the loan. So again, dog walking business, babysitting, um, painting houses, raking leaves. I don't know. But now what are we saying? And I don't know if all the parents were even aware that the children were doing this. So what I mean, what are we saying here? What what can you say? What's okay. done is done. They've apparently received the checks already. Right. Right. So <laughs> any words of advice? Any words of advice? Uh, the word of advice would be um, so. Technically, as a, you do not have to have yourself established. You can basically start your business with your social security number, which is okay. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think to own a bank account, you have to be eighteen or older. So, uh, if you were eighteen or younger and you apply for the PPP and the money went into your account and all that jazz. Uh, I, I just would suggest, I would suggest that you keep your documents in order and probably just pay back the loan. Don't apply for forgiveness. If you apply for forgiveness, then, you know, you kind of put your name out there. Um, the SBA was issued about 70000 no, $70 million during the last stimulus package specifically to use that money to investigate and make sure that people that apply for this uh, PPP were actually, were actual businesses and they're still open. They didn't get rid of all their employees and all that jazz. They have a, four, according to the bill, 
the statutes of limitations is about four years uh, from the time you apply for forgiveness. Um, some banks are saying about six years. I don't know exactly what, you know, the safest bet is six years. So uh, six years, you would have to keep your documents in order. But if you're a teenager and you applied for the loan and you got it, um, you know, I would go ahead and uh, do one of two things, get your business going or just pay it back so that you won't have to deal with uh, the backlash uh, on the other end. Because, uh, yeah, I, this, I don't really know exactly how I could justify <laughs> right. uh, being a business owner and you don't even have an account or whatever the case is. You could have applied on behalf of somebody who actually owns a business. You can be, a, a, you know, you can have a 16-year-old representing your business, but as a sole proprietor, you basically just have one employee. So I don't know how best to paint that picture for you. So I, if, I would just pay it back. Okay. I would just pay it back. I, yeah. I wouldn't even deal with the, the hassle. I mean, in my mind, I am thinking of, um, and I know this, this is a long-term effect as well, effect. So they got the loan. Maybe they were 17 or 18. You know, I, I would hope they were at least 18. Yeah. But whether they were still in high school and about to come out or maybe didn't go because of COVID last year, I could see some children maybe did not go. You know, mm -hmm. they wanted to stay on campus, have the whole experience. The school of their choice wasn't open, you know, whatever the circumstance was. Yeah. But now I also see the fallout from your credit already. Mm -hmm. You're 18. You've already possibly ruined your credit if you don't start paying these loans back. And yeah. then clearly it's going to affect your uh, ability to get student loans if you should need student yes. loans for college. So, yes, this is, uh, you know, so. I don't know if I have any teenagers listening, but I'm sure I have parents of teenagers listening. You guys, please reach out to, to the children. I don't know whose children these are. I have no idea where these children are that did this, but if you're a parent of a teenager, you may want to just inquire. You know, I don't know what type of relationship you may have with these, these young adults, but you may want to inquire because they may need a little help now. If they've gotten into this, um, this situation, <laughs> You as the adult and the parent may need to help out a little bit. Lend help, you know. Students used to co-sign on student loans all the time, so this may be this may be something similar here. You may be the co-signer with <laughs> without your knowledge. All right, so let's move on. Um, I shared with you also uh, the picture of the girl with the GoFundMe. Okay. I think maybe falls into a, a similar scenario here. Lady took out the loan didn't read the fine print, you know, we don't know. There is not enough information to go on, but clearly mm -hmm. posted a go a GoFundMe account to help her pay back her her um disaster loans. Uh mm -hmm. there's nothing really you can say on okay, that. Uh, I just just have to remember what loan did you and let me see if I can find it again. I don't know if it even said it on the picture. But yeah depending see. on what it was it sounds like it could have been the um um, the economic injury disaster loan. Hmm. I'm not too sure if it was that one or the PPP. Yeah, I don't, let me see. I don't see it here anymore, but hmm. it just said it. I don't remember which one it said, but I just was appalled that she did a GoFundMe to raise funds to help her pay back the loan that she committed to for business purposes. Mm -hmm. like, like I said, there's a lot to the to the back end of the story that we just won't ever know, but 
Yeah. If uh, if I could reach out to that person, if she took out the economic injury disaster loan and she's trying to start a GoFundMe to pay it, um, she's basically putting her nose out there. Like she could have just been quiet and just made the monthly payments because honestly, the monthly payments are really small. Like mm-hmm. I hope she didn't take out the hundred the four hundred fifty thousand dollars. If she did, the payments for that are about seven hundred dollars a month. Um, I'm not sure if she can afford that. Well, probably not because she got on the, the GoFundMe thing to try to get people to pay her. Well, I heard that people fudged a lot of numbers. Well, like once it was found out that nobody was double checking anything, yes. people were yes. saying my business made 200000 last year. Right. I had 18 employees. I heard that people were, they had fabulous businesses on the applications. Right. No, you're right. So um, again, when they basically introduced this program, because I mean, this is a very unique situation. Never in a million years has the SBA in their, in their whole years of being established, have they ever been confronted with a global pandemic? Right. Usually when there's a disaster, they have a particular program for that particular area or region that was affected by the hurricane, tornado or whatever. And the application for that is usually long, but again, you're dealing with a global pandemic. And uh, the thing about uh, this whole situation about jobs, again, the job numbers are what keep all the politicians in power. It's not necessarily about how the economy is doing. And we all know that the definition of unemployment is very, very vague and open. And And changes. Yeah, it changes, changes quarterly sometimes. Specifically, <laughs> again, so that the unemployment numbers stay low and that way the people that are in power stay in power. And so uh, one of the great things about small businesses is that they hire individuals that do not have degrees or diplomas or anything like that to work for companies like Chevron and all the rest. And so if you can get those folks off the streets, you guys look great. And so when they introduced this program, they're like, hey, do whatever, get these people their money so these people can stay in power, um, so that uh, these people can get off the streets. I don't want, they, they hate paying unemployment. They hate having to see uh, unemployment numbers go crazy like that because all of a sudden people think, oh, the economy's looking terrible. You're not doing good as a politician. I'm voting for someone else. Well, you kind of said it right, so yeah. that they can get the people off the streets so that they can stay in power. <laughs> you yes, just, you forgot the in between, right? That's it. <laughs> So uh, when they first introduced this program, they were not checking a dang thing from, I'm going to say about March till about early June. Early June, they started showing some symptoms that, hey, we need to start checking some stuff. Or maybe you were confronted with individuals that kind of knew what stuff to deal with because during that period, their department was reduced because of COVID as well. So if you had called the, the customer service, you were probably dealing with somebody that had a dog barking mm. in the background or right. some kids playing somewhere. Because honestly, these were untrained individuals that didn't know anything about uh, business setups or companies or anything like that. These are, these, this was the front line from you receiving $150,000 to you receiving nothing, um, right? So back then, any you could have put down $300,000, $400,000, whatever, and you would have given you would have been given the max. Right. Now, um, fast forward to this point in time, you probably should have received an email saying, hey, 
I need you to provide us a letter on, uh, you know, basically a, a, a letter showing that you as an authorized individual authorized for this loan, you have to provide us hazardous insurance. If you don't have hazardous insurance, you're going to need to get it. And um, you're also going to need to give them tax documents showing that your business is still around. And this is just but a taste of what you're going to start seeing, you know, coming down the pipe. Because again, they will ask you for your books they will ask you for other things that would show evidence that you do make four hundred thousand dollars because i mean if you're making four hundred thousand dollars you're probably going to have a whole bunch of taxes whether on the, the employment side or this other side or whatever so you should have symptoms that hey stuff is happening um just be careful keep it going use the money and invest it in your company don't buy anything personal because they can find out they can easily find out i mean easily easily i mean just think about it if you uh, naturally are been habitually filing $50,000 worth of gross proceeds from your company. And then all of a sudden you get $150,000 and then you buy like a, a, a G wagon or something out of the ordinary. How, how can you justify a charge like that? You can't. And so right. you're just inviting trouble. Oh, there was one thing I forgot to mention about the PVP as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there were, there are basically two draws. So if you got the first draw, you actually qualify to get a second draw. And even now in this year, if you only applied for the PPP once, after about eight weeks, you can apply for a second draw as well. And if you're in the hospitality industry, like restaurant or hotel, you can actually get three and a half times your monthly uh, wages for the second draw. So uh, again, if you receive the first draw, this year, after eight weeks, you can apply for another draw. And if you received a draw from last year, you can actually receive another draw this year as well. Wow. I uh, remember what I was going to talk about. Sorry, good. I just totally froze. So I told you before, I have an SBA loan okay. um, for a real estate purchase for my business. Okay. And when I went to closing, it was similar, you know, very similar to closing on any type of real estate purchase. Right. And like if you, I, my very first home, it was FHA loan. <clears throat> so I had to do the regular bank loan paperwork. And then I had a whole stack that was separate for FHA. Mm -hmm. Similar when I did the real estate purchase for commercial under SBA, I had the regular bank loan paperwork. And then I had a whole set of paperwork that was separate for the SBA. And there was a lot of qualifying and a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And I had, to, you know, the hazard insurance and I, I had to prove all kinds of stuff. So, um, mm -hmm. what the red flag, what I worry about personally, my red flag is you took me through all this to get, and it was some, in my opinion, it was a small loan. You know, yeah. I, I purchased my property for $120,000, which in my opinion is a, is not a lot of money for commercial real estate. Yeah. But I jumped through a lot of hoops and it cost me a lot of money to even get the loan, the, the, right. um, appraisals and you know all the excessive fees and you're charging you're paying commercial rates right. so what i'm concerned about is they made this so easy almost nearly everybody not everybody qualified but it's got to be about 80 percent of people qualified at least yeah how is it why is it they were able to make it so easy now for almost everyone when we have so many very qualified candidates that have tried to get funding from the SBA for decades, 
decades and they're turned down for the simplest things, the yeah. smallest reasons. We know discriminatory discrimination um, practices exist. We know who's underfunded. We know who has to jump through more hoops. We know all this stuff happens. Yeah. So in my mind, I just see red flashing signs down the road somewhere. I'm like, yeah. there's no, this is almost a too good to be true scenario, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if you treat it right, you follow the guidelines, you do what you're supposed to do, you should be fine. I mean, I know, yeah. I know people who've already been forgiven as well. So they're out, they're out of the clear, they're in the clear already. Yeah. But I think that there's still some type of so I don't know what I'm expecting to pop out of the box, but it, it's almost like a too good to be true scenario when for so long people needed the help, qualified right. for the help, were eligible, and they just could not get anywhere. So what's your feelings? Yeah. Do you, uh, these are all my feelings, <laughs> but what do you think about this? Okay, so you are right. Um, when you're going through uh, a loan application, even with the SBA or the bank or whoever, um, the bank has a set of securities that they have to follow to make sure that you are not going to put them at risk, at risk being of defaulting or filing for bankruptcy. Things that show that you're at risk, low credit score, too many debt obligations, and uh, not enough resources coming in and all the rest, right? So uh, when this global pandemic happened, uh, they literally had to make some hard decisions, meaning they had to shut everything down. Otherwise, our uh, uh, health system would be overloaded with people that, would have, that basically had to stay 14 days plus inside the hospital. And so if the economy is sick, or if the people are part of the economy is sick, we don't have a country. We don't have anything. The whole thing shuts down. So they had to say, hey, let's just throw this money out there. I don't care who gets it right now. We have got to make sure these small businesses stay open. Otherwise, we're all doomed. We need to keep people inside. We need to keep businesses open for the time being. Because honestly, uh, this wasn't anyone's fault. I don't care if this thing started from a bat or a pendulum or whatever the case is. This was no one's fault. And so they had to make this decision. It, it just had to be done. Um, but this kind of opened my eyes and seeing exactly how what type of lengths some banks will go to make sure that these resources don't go to certain communities because again yeah. when it first started and all the money went to these huge corporations uh if they are funneled, yes if they are funneled into uh wealth then some other place some other companies uh you know, they would kind of suffer a little bit. I don't want to go too much into that space because I don't have too much evidence in front of me. This is just from what I'm observing. Um, I do feel like the prison systems is more like a new form of slavery because of all these weird things you can go to jail for. And, you know, if you go after a particular community that doesn't have the resources to properly defend themselves or whatever the case is, you can take advantage of them and put them through that system to have them create inventory or other things of value for the bigger corporations so they can make penny, you know, billions of dollars off of cheap labor. No but labor, yeah, free labor that, almost. <laughs> that's not a here nor there. And so going back to my point, uh, when you're filling out documents, there's a whole bunch of 
crazy things that they throw in there to basically, you know, discriminate from some people. Uh, but that should never discourage anyone. All banks have different criterias in approving people. That's another thing I've noticed too. Some banks would have, would have you give them everything under the sun for these disaster loans. Some of them don't. Some of them just say, hey, just give me whatever paperwork you got. We'll just get you approved. Because again, at the end of the day, the banks get a check from each application that's approved and each application that's denied. So, um, you know. <laughs> they get it on both ends, approved yes, and do. denied. You're paid for your time, even though they're denied. I understand. Yes, yes. And, uh, well, that's another thing I've noticed too. Some banks, uh, well, how the whole PPP process works is um, your application first gives, goes to the SBA. The SBA looks at it and gives you your initial approval or an SBA e-trans number. And so if you have that e-trans number, it gets sent to any lender or I guess a lender that is participating in the program to basically screen you and then give you the money. Um, so because you have that e-trans you basically, uh, basically that form of money is backed by the SBA. So technically it's allocated to that particular application. So if the bank screens through you and doesn't approve you, then it's like, dang, oh, you know, we've had these, we've had these uh, resources here. So what do we do with it? I guess they, I don't know if they keep it, they keep all of it or a portion of it, but it's with them now. Um, but, you know, the SBA e-trans number is assigned to it. So that means that that particular allocated dollars is backed by them. That's not a hint or there. But going back to your uh, your particular point, yes, uh, they just kind of said, "Hey, we got to get this thing going because we need to keep all these small businesses funded. I don't, we can't, we don't have time to have them go through all these crazy hoops and, and, and everything. We'll eventually get it back." And I don't know if you, as you can see, now the consumer pricing index is basically the consumer confidence has increased a lot. People have a lot more money to spend so because of that the sba is getting their money back anyway you know easy uh right so yeah i mean it just kind of opened my eyes to see how they kind of discriminate against certain people but you know it is what it is right. we can only play the game until they change the rules again so paul you've given a lot of information and i didn't do this in the beginning i want to be sure i, I do it now i'm mm -hmm. located you guys know i'm in atlanta you are in is it austin what part of texas are you in I'm in Houston, Texas. Houston, Houston. So yeah. you shared a lot of excellent information. Um, you are an accountant. Are you mm -hmm. taking new clients? Will people, are, are you allowing people to reach out to you? Can you, who can you service? Just mm -hmm. tell us that information. So if they want to contact you or whatever, what, what can you do? Yes. Yeah, so um, I actually do, like I said in the beginning, I do consulting for SBA loans. Uh, yeah, disaster loans are against my top case right now. Now, um, they can reach out to me via uh, my website, uh, www.pccting.com. Um, you can can you say that me. again? Yeah, www.pknaccting.com. Okay. Um, uh, there you can schedule an appointment. I, I do help out with taxes. I do help out with PPP consulting, EIDL consulting. If you were denied for whatever reason and you would like to apply for reconsideration, uh, you can definitely reach out to me. We can get, uh, go ahead and get that going. Um, if you're interested in applying for PPP or if you have additional questions outside of this podcast, definitely reach out to me. I'll give you all the do's and don'ts and how you can get it approved and how you can uh, protect yourself 
and all the rest and how your company should be structured going forward too because um, again uh, they have four years to check you out you know, we can go ahead and make sure that uh, everything's cleaned up and you'll be good to go uh, but uh, again for those folks that received a whole bunch of money from the pvp that weren't supposed to i can't help you i don't know what to tell you because <laughs> uh, again uh you know funny story um uh, there was uh, one of my clients told me about a lady that was trying to reach out to me. She received over half a million dollars from the program. Um, because she had a half a million dollar uh, business, right? Well, uh, no, no, she didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what half a million dollars basically represents. That represents $1,250,000 of wages that she supposedly paid in one thing about uh, W-2 wages, it comes with federal, it comes with Social Security, it comes with Medicare taxes. And so um, you can just kind of imagine how much of those particular figures should be. So uh, she actually received a letter stamped on her office door, her office door being her apartment. So she didn't have an office building. So they came, slapped a, the IRS slapped a letter on her door saying, hey, look, we need to get this amount in taxes from you because you, quote unquote, paid about $500,000 in taxes where in mm -hmm. uh, 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 wages, where where's our money, you know? And so she was not able to answer that question. She was trying to reach out to somebody that can help fabricate documents. And again, if you fabricate a document for the federal government, it is a federal crime of up to about, I think $250,000 or more or 10 years of jail time, whichever one, probably both, maybe one or the other, but I think for her case, it will probably be both. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you're in one of those situations, I, I can't help you. I'm not going to be, I, I can't fabricate any <laughs> Paul is not your guy. If yeah, you need real help. help. Now <laughs> I've got attorney friends as well. Yeah. So, um, maybe, yeah, maybe they can, they can help. Yeah. Yeah. So reach out to me if you think you may fall into that category. I'm going to get you a different type of referral. Um, you're going to need to talk to a different type of professional. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and so also you can help anyone nationwide? Nationwide, yes. I can help just about anyone from any place. I have, um, yeah, I've helped uh, clients in Chicago, New York, Maryland, California, and all the rest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm going to be able to drive some people your way. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I people, I'm not the expert in this area all the time. I read paperwork though. So I, I, I kind of pride myself on reading fine print. I work yes. in insurance, which is all contracts. Um, <laughs> but people are, I'm, you know, I'm just sometimes always amazed where people don't read the paperwork that they sign. <laughs> like, yeah. was it there on the was it there on page seven you know so um yeah i thank you i appreciate you having you on here you were an excellent excellent resource uh mr andre wilson i hope we answered the questions to your satisfaction as well as anybody else i've had several people reach out to me with questions so i hope that you guys um got some good information i got some information i wrote down some notes i had to grab my notepad halfway through here um so i've got some notes um i am really praying trusting hoping that everybody who did receive the funds um was able to um advance their business in some way either keep the doors open or advance you know this was a good opportunity to take it to another level 
-hmm. it was much easier to get this loan. I'm telling you than when I signed for mine in 2017 or 2016, whenever that was, um, it was, I sat there for hours filling out those papers and it, you know, like it was an eight week close and it took us a long time. So these loans, they processed them in a day, two days, your money was received in a week. Mm-hmm. Pretty fantastic. Um, all right. So do you have any last minute, anything? I think we, Orlando, any other questions you have? No, Orlando's been over here just nodding his head and smiling. <laughs> Uh, some, at some point you said something about the red flags and he was over here going crazy. Like, oh, I know these people. I know people who did this. <laughs> he's shaking his, yeah, he's shaking his head now. He said, a lot of folks are going to jail. Mm. I won't be going to jail, but, and I'm hoping nobody's going to jail, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, worst, the, again, the worst case is when you apply for forgiveness, just pay the money back. It's a loan at the end of the day, right? Right. And, uh, if you got the PPP, it's only 1%. So just, just pay it back. Just pay it However, back. if you're above 18 and you got the PPP, set up the business. Go get a DBA. Go get an EIN. Yeah, try to do something with yourself, you know? So just get it going. Since they reopened the program, I have just one closeout question. Since they no. reopened the program, a couple different times, but since it has been reopened even this year, yes. what about people who started? So you lost your employment at whatever company because it did go under or closed down okay. or whatever happened. And so yeah. I had to start my own side hustle. So now I started a business doing so-and-so, but I can't show losses from 2019 to 2020 because the business just opened in 2020 when I lost my oh. other job. Are they qualified to apply? Okay, so if you have never, if you're applying for the first time, mm-hmm. then the 25% revenue reduction rule does not apply to you. It only applies to you when you're applying the second time. Okay. And there's two particular ways you can show that. That's by showing an annual uh, profit and loss statement or income statement of a 25% drop, or you can do it from a quarterly perspective. They're going to be comparing 2019 with your 2020. It's easier to do the quarterly perspective because there was a point in time where everyone was closed down. And um, if you did not have a business that was established, there's a, there's a, you know, um, there's a reasoning with that. So if your business was not established before February 15th, 2020, then technically you don't qualify. But if you're a sole proprietor or independent contractor, technically you being as an individual, you were established light years ago. I mean, you're, you're a sole proprietor as you are, but you're born as a sole proprietor. (laughs) Yeah. You just have to show evidence that you were open in doing business beforehand. Like you should have invoices, receipts, um, you know, bank transactions that show resources coming in and all that kind of stuff. So if you go to a lender uh, they'll ask you one of two things. Can you provide a February 19 or February 2020 bank statement or some some invoice prior to February showing that you were in business doing whatever whatever it was that you're doing? If you're able to show that, then you can qualify for the program, but as a sole proprietor or independent contractor. Okay. So you had a side hustle for years. Yes that you really did on the side because you had other employment, W-2 probably employment. Right. 
somehow lost the W-2 employment or just left the W-2 employment and mm. ramped the side hustle up into your main income source mm. during 2020. But as long as it was a side hustle before and you had some clients along the way that you can show proof that you were doing this other thing for the last few years or so, mm. that would be suitable. But you then you needed your records. You needed to have some type of record to prove it. Yeah. Okay. That's, basically, that's basically it. And if you're in that space where you were doing a side hustle, I'm sure you didn't make over a hundred thousand dollars. Cause right. if you had a, so if you had a hundred thousand dollars, the max that you can get as a sole proprietor is 20 K. So if you're a side hustler, please just don't overshoot on your income determination. And right. what they can choose as your income is either 2019 data or 2020 data. 2020 has not been is not due yet. So if you can put together, if you can estimate how much money you made in 2020, you can use that as your form of uh, income for the loan proceed determination. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. You're welcome. You're welcome. I really appreciate this. I think it's about right on time. Um, there's so much going on with this right now. This topic is kind of hot, <laughs> hot in the news. Um, and, and as well as the crypto stuff that just came up in taxes. So, um, I really appreciate you coming, uh, kind of late oh, notice, yeah. great connection. I'm going to have to thank CJ for the introduction. Great information. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd love to have you back one day on another topic or even this, even this topic again if there's going to be some continuation if we end up getting some stats or something that does not turn out the way it was expected to turn out that'd be great because like I said I'm not the expert I know a little bit about it but I'm this is not really my field so thank you very much for coming on the show do you have any last minute anything you want to share uh, no, uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, big shout out to CJ uh, for putting me on. Uh, he's a good guy. We uh, both were pursuing the CPA journey together. I'm oh, glad that it. was what happened. Yeah, okay. we, yeah, we both went to TSU. So um, that's a good guy. Uh, um, really excited about all this stuff. And, oh, and last thing, just make sure you buy something that appreciates because inflation is coming. It's only temporary. <sighs> Yes. Next next episode, we're going back to cryptos, guys. So <laughs> I've tried yeah. to tell people about the inflation. They argue me down. They argue me down. I stopped even putting it on my social media because people just hey, it's not that bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> buy real estate, crypto, gold, silver, something. But anyway, um, thank you very much. I appreciate you for coming on today. Everybody, if you could do me a favor, like, subscribe, share, review, click, whatever. Um, you know, you guys can find me everywhere, including YouTube under Ready, Set, Free. Um, I will share Paul's contact information as well in the show notes as usual. You can reach out directly to him. You're having problems finding him, reach out to me. I will contact him on your behalf. And so uh, everybody have a good day, morning, noon, night, whatever time you're listening. I appreciate you for being here. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.